Hello and welcome to the Golfing Greenkeeper podcast, or should I say welcome back to you and to me. I have had a bit of a break. I'll give you a few more details. This is episode number seven. Come along and listen in for the ride. As I mentioned, has been a bit of a break between the last episode and this one. Reason being, my wife and I welcomed, welcomed our beautiful baby girl, daughter into the world first child of ours uh, little savannah is her name and we're very excited very happy and uh, that's why basically i had an absence it was so nice to go through the whole birthing process it was a little bit not quite as smooth sailing as we'd have hoped but i suppose they're probably not really smooth sailing when you've got movie ideas in your head and things you've heard about and things you've seen throw it out the window nothing is as picture perfect as that i probably should have known better but uh, at the end Everyone's happy and healthy. We're back home and I'm back on the airwaves. So, yes, um, it has been a nice break and uh, we've got little little Savannah's just in the room next to me while I'm recording and she's sound asleep, thankfully. So we'll, uh, we'll let her sleep on. And uh, in the meantime, we can get into the podcast. So thanks again for joining me. It's uh, It's been, uh, I, I do love doing the podcast. I'm really excited about coming back on and number seven, can't believe how far I've come. I know it's only sounds like it's it's uh, it's only seven episodes, but I enjoy it and uh, it's been amazing. Amazing journey and I'm always learning along the way and ha- happy to hear from, from you people, your listeners out there, the people that are listening to me and I really appreciate that and uh, I'm very grateful for having you all uh, listening in. So thank you again. On the, uh, on the podcast today, we're... Uh, going to be doing the usual walking the fairway so i've got some news headlines coming out with some things that i've found and been hearing and listening to and and heard about on the on the grapevine of what's going on in golf courses around australia going to also look at golf travel and how everything's changed and a lot has changed certainly and i'm speaking of australia of course a lot has changed in where we can and can't go what we can and can't do and where basically we're allowed to play golf and uh, I'm going to dive into that a little bit. And what I'm going to do is, is because I've been fortunate enough to travel around a lot, certainly I did travel a lot when I was younger playing uh, regional New South Wales and pennants and things like that with my local club, but uh, traveled a lot recently as well in the last sort of 10 years of life. Been fortunate enough to do that. I'm going to give you a few of my sort of recommendations around the place, my recommendations of of what courses are worth playing in different holidaying areas because no doubt we get to the spring school holidays uh, we get towards the end of the year people are having long weekends and there's going to be bits and pieces where you're going to have a few holiday breaks even towards christmas end of year so i'm going to throw out there my tips of golf courses to visit and some of the holiday areas where um, you might want to look at traveling or you haven't traveled to for 15 20 years and you're thinking it's the right time to get back into it so looking forward to talking about golf travel with you and some of my tips and then going to jump into the greenkeepers shed where basically i want to discuss tee marker positions everyone's had experiences with them whether they're good bad or indifferent what your thoughts are what you should be doing what they should be doing what we're all not doing all sorts of things so going to do a talk about that and give you my thoughts and what i think um, we all should be thinking about and doing moving forward Let's get stuck into the podcast in full. Walking the Fairways, 9th of September, 2020. Starting our walk today, going to touch on the weather again. Now, I mentioned the weather last time in the last episode and that the Bureau of Meteorology, the BOM, have forecast that we're going to get an increase 
forecast increase in above average rainfall for spring through to summer. Well, basically, I think it was August through to November or something like that. So now they've been a little bit more specific and they have basically, they've titled it La Nina again. Now, when I say La Nina, it is the opposite of El Nino, uh, where La Nina, it means that we, we're going to have a very strong chance of above average rainfall for the eastern half of the country. So they've termed it that. They've now said all their modelling is looking like it's going to be that way. It's like I said last time, I think it's once in a, a sort of a, an eight to 10 year event usually, but now they've given it that title. So it looks like it's it's pretty promising that that's the way it's gonna go. This winter has seen some really good rainfall totals at Western New South Wales, certainly along the Central West, Northern Tablelands and Southern Tablelands. It's been some great images coming out on social media for a lot of the golf clubs around. And that has translated, I, I believe as well into uh, some of the Northern parts of Victoria. Uh, and also into the uh, the southwestern parts of Queensland. So really, really good to see. Basically a promising season ahead for golf because a lot of these these golf courses in these areas, in these regional areas, uh, don't often have wet years through the growing season, uh, through, the, through the warmer parts of the year, I should say, through the turf growing season. So what you're going to see is some really top shelf quality coming out of these regional courses, which are usually there's a lot of great courses out in regional regional areas of Australia, but they do struggle to fight against mother nature. And uh, when she puts on a good year, it's the time you want to travel. It's going to be a bit of the theme of today's podcast as well. It's all about this traveling and we can travel uh, throughout our own states. And, and now more than ever with the forecast season ahead, I'm telling you, if you've been, you know, locked down at home or haven't had a chance to get away because of COVID through winter and all sorts of stuff, it's been difficult times and whatever. Now is is um, the season ahead. I'm telling you, you want to start planning it and the weather's on our side for the first time in a very, very long time. So start thinking, get a map out, look at your state, look at the what areas and the golf courses and the holiday places outside your metropolitan areas, outside your capital cities in Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, Tassie, South Australia, anywhere, WA, the whole lot, have a look at them, pick an area that you haven't been to for a long time or pick an area that you've never been to and start looking at those golf courses. I'm going to give you a few tips today, but the weather is on our side for 2020, believe it or not. We look like we're going to have a big tick at the back end of this year. Who knew it was coming, but the weather's a good start. Going to move into Queensland. I um, got on the phone and had a chat with Superintendent Glenn Gibson-Smith of the Glades on the Gold Coast. I'm a big fan of the Glades and uh, just wanted a quick catch up with Glenn. Hadn't seen him for a Look, it's probably been around 18 months, to be honest, since I was up there last uh, to have a game at the Glades. And, um, yeah, just wanted to catch up with Glenn and see how things were going post this ridiculous summer and then the COVID thing and see how it was all happening up there. And uh, I also wanted to know a little bit of how the zoysia was going that surrounds their bunkers. So when I was there and talking with Glenn, they'd had a zoysia, zoysia matrella was going down, basically had gone down with a lot of their bunker surrounds was going to be a different type of grass that they could sort of control a little bit more, more steady growth as it were, and it's certainly a much tougher grass around those areas. So they were trying a few different things. And um, basically, like I said, it's called zoysia matrella. Um, it, it is a different grass to Zeon zoysia, which you probably started hearing around. I've certainly mentioned it a couple of times that they've used in places like, you know, Kalara Golf Club in Sydney. Um, and Glenn said, look, it's going okay. 
being a slow growing grass, which zoysia is, is, is a difficult proposition as well. So it requires lots of different management regimes. Um, and that is a, a, a difficult thing, which we're going to see in a lot of these new zoysias being used and how they're managed. But uh, Glenn mentioned that whilst it's tough, it does struggle to recover because of its slow um, speed of growth. So in areas where it's suffered from heat stress, um, and for them it's been on the lips of the bunkers, certainly the ones facing west where they get a lot of that afternoon sun, certainly in Queensland, and it tends to get very, very hot, starts to cook, starts to suffer from a lot of heat stress. And uh, in areas where they might have died out, had patches of sort of areas that are thinned out, it's really struggled to recover a little bit. And that's probably the difficult part of zoysia grass. So we'll, we'll look forward to seeing how those things improve for Glen up there around the glades and also keeping an eye on knowing that that's a factor in zoysia grass itself. How will that perform over coming years in these golf courses that are using zoysia? Uh, will be interesting to uh, very much to keep an eye on. So uh, Glenn sort of said that's that's going okay, but require, requiring a little bit of work and um, it has been struggling a little bit of late, certainly with the hot, dry summer that that we had to start off with for such a long part of, of some of this past season. Also at the Glades, they're working on removing a lot of cooch encroachment into their greens. They use CT, CT2 cooch is on their fairways. And uh, in some areas where that's been encroaching into their greens, they're trying to uh, manage that and, and eradicate a lot of those areas of creeping in. Um, which it's often done on golf courses. and uh, But at the moment, the Glades, like a lot of courses, is doing it tough with the COVID thing, reduced staff, reduced labour um, applications on course, and uh, they're managing their budgets and all these sorts of things with the impacts financially of COVID. So the things that they are looking at doing, like I said, is is improving some of those zoysia areas around the bunkers and also managing the creeping, uh, the cooch creeping into some of their green surfaces. So that's at the moment what they're really doing. At, uh, at the Glade. So that's not so bad a thing. It's good to see that they're, they're still being able to do some of those things because there's plenty of golf courses out there that are really just sitting on their haunches as much as they can and just trying to manage through the season and stay in a good quality position, not being able to do enough to move forward. One of the things about bent grass at the Glades, the Glades has bent grass greens. And I'm a huge fan of bent grass greens, always have been. It's one of the things that I love about being at the Gold Coast and having to go and play the Glades because, like I've mentioned in the last podcast, grain on a golf green, well, bent grass greens don't have it so much and, and I love the pace that they get out of them at the Glades. So I'm always a big fan of having to hit around the Glades when I get there. But but being bent, you know, bent grass is sort of, it's one of those difficult things at the Gold Coast. That's why you don't find it so far north. So this year they've had such a mixed bag with weather at the Gold Coast, it's like basically all over the East Coast of Australia, where we had sort of severe, hot, dry start to summer. But then at the at the Glades, for example, because it's a low-lying course, it's also in a flood, it's quite a low course. It's, it's in a flood zone, flood area. So they had the hot, dry summer. Then when they got inundated with rain, it brings on the humidity, increases the, the, the humidity in the soil and around the leaf. But because they're on that floodplain at the Glades, the golf course went under. So it got flooded in, um, I think it was in February that uh, the Glen was saying. So they had the hot dry, then they had humidity, then they went under flood, but they didn't just go under flood once. No, 
they got flooded three separate times. So the course went under three times at the glades, which I'm here to tell you, that's insane. So the humidity levels that went up around the golf course on top of the heat would have been astronomical. And that is the worst conditions for bent grass. It really doesn't like super high humidity. And that's why you don't see bent grass on greens that far north usually. But Glenn said they did it absolutely tough. So you had this, again, hot dry, which you can manage through at best with bent. Um, you can do it. It's difficult, but you can do it. And that's what we do as green keepers. But once you get that humidity, if we have a bad humidity season in Sydney, it's tough. At the Gold Coast, it's insane. That's why, again, you don't see bent grass up there. So Glenn and the team really had their work cut out from this year. They had to deal with Pythium that was constant pressure, constant pressure on that golf course and those greens. And uh, they, they really did battle for the second half of the summer um, and had to put out numerous fungicide applications just to try and minimise. They couldn't... They couldn't defeat it. They couldn't keep it at bay. They just had to minimise the damage. So uh, Glenn said they, they had some areas on the greens where they did get some damage from it at the back end of uh, summer. But look, you know, they're past it. They're into winter now. Things are uh, starting to calm down. They're looking at how they can uh, repair some of these areas on the course that, that, you know, a lot of courses went through difficult times and this is just what the Glades went through. So, um, you know, they're looking forward to moving ahead, hopefully all things being well. They, uh, they get a good spring where the temperatures are good and there's not too much humidity too early this season and they can really start to uh, to bring the course back to a good high-quality level again that, that everyone looks forward to when they go and play the Glades because it's a wonderful track and always in good condition. So we look forward to seeing how Glenn and the team go at the Glades and look forward to a good season ahead for the Glades. Now, Cannon Hill Community Links Development. That is the working title... I'm going to see if I get this right. It's the working title of the Minipi or Minipi. It's a really odd word. Minipi Golf Course uh, in Brisbane. Now, it's a new public access golf course and a residential precinct that's set to be built in Cannon Hill, which is on the south side of the Brisbane River in the city. So it's it's just south of the, the river by a couple of kilometres sort of thing that I've seen uh, on a map to look at where it's located. And... Um, basically a brand new public access golf course which is really really exciting a development appears the development itself the residential side appears to be called minipi as well which is m-i-n-n-i-p-p-i it's almost like spelling mississippi back in the old days but minipi is the way of minipi still can't work out what's right or wrong now it's the first new public golf course to be built in 70 years in brisbane now that's a big deal and uh, really, really good to see. Obviously, a councillor involved as well on the on the golf course side of things and, and the land. Uh, and it's going to be a council, I believe, council-run um, golf course. So really, really interesting to watch this one unfold at Cannon Hill. Construction of the course is set to have already commenced, basically, they said, by mid this year. Now, that was going on the council's proposed timeframes that I looked at and that I was reading up about the project. I haven't heard anything that it's actually begun yet, but their timeframes in regards to the whole project itself said that they're meant to start mid this year. So look, let's put three months, six months delay on it with COVID. So let's just go with that. But, but basically, they're going to start very, very soon. It's proposed to be completed by the end of 2021. So I would say there's going to be a delay in that as well. Uh, I could be wrong. 
The master plan, but keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. I'll keep you informed where I can as well from what I've seen and what I can read and what I hear. Uh, the master plan design has been done by Pacific Coast Design. Now, they're based out of Melbourne, and some of their work, just to give you an idea of Pacific Coast Design, might not be a name that you've heard of. It's not, you know, it's not a, a Clayton Design. It's it's not a Harley Cruise Design. It, it's not a cocking, Mike Cocking Design. It's not any of the big names we've heard in in Australia, but it is a name that's got some good courses to it. And you might have heard some of these. So I'll give you an idea of some of these golf courses. Pacific Coast Design have, uh, some of their work includes Gardner's, uh, sorry, Gardner's Run Golf Club down in uh, down in Melbourne. Uh, based from Melbourne, so a lot of their stuff is down in Victoria. So Gardner's Run, Patterson River, which you might have heard of as well, Eagle Ridge down on the Mornington Peninsula. They did a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of the work there as well. They master planned the Capital Golf Club in Melbourne, which is a very exclusive private golf club. Uh, I believe it's attached to the Crown Casino from memory. Um, but they master plan that too. They also did redesign work at Tokenwell, uh, which I've I've been and visited and spoken about in the past. And on there, they redid they redid their 18th hole, the par three on the President's Course, which is a really really good looking hole too, by the way. But that's just a bit of a run. So they do have some runs on the board uh, when it comes to golf courses. So don't think because you may not have heard of them, they um, they're a, they're a new agency and and you know what do they do? Well, they've got some runs on the board. They've got them down in Victoria, in and around Melbourne. So there's a couple of their examples. You might have played some. So it gives you an idea of what to think about. But they've done the master plan for the Cannon Hill. Now, whether they'll be doing the, the detail stuff as it's constructed, which obviously we would hope so, when when Cannon Hill gets going. But that's basically who's behind the design and uh, looking forward to seeing a new public access golf course in the city of Brisbane. So if you're up in Queensland, you're in and around Brisbane, one to keep an eye on and one to get excited about, mind you. Very, very good. Cannon Hill Community Links. Continuing in Queensland, we go to Pacific Golf Club in Carindale in Queensland. Now, now that's just, Carindale is just slightly southeast of Brisbane City, not too far, still in the metropolitan city sort of city lights. And uh, they're looking at doing a development with a, a basically a company called Reside Communities for a retirement village to be built on a portion of the land there. Now, I don't know a lot of the background of the club and why they're looking to go this way, but look, clubs do this from time to time, and, and usually it's to um, give them a bit of surety, give them a bit of long-term um, financial support base, something that they can build from, and they'll get something out of it at the back end. Like I said, don't know the, don't know the golf club itself, um, but this is just running through some of the... Uh, some of the information that I've come across, some of the news that I'm hearing about. Pacific Golf Club there in Carindale. So Reside Communities is a retirement sort of village company that they're looking to build on the land. Uh, on face value, it actually looks a little similar to the idea behind Muirfield, which I talked about last in the last podcast in Sydney, where uh, at the back of the development, and once it's all completed, they're going to get they're going to get um, some some good things that will will come to them from it basically from the from the financial side of things so they're going to get some new bits and pieces out on course like i said similar to the Muirfield thing that back end of the project they'll get some upgrades um that they'll do so for for pacific golf club they're, they're looking at basically a new clubhouse uh, as part of it they're going to get uh what's been detailed in the the upgrade works and and things that are going to come out of this whole development so a new clubhouse 
they're going to get a putt-putt course. They're looking at a virtual reality indoor facility, um, which is obviously going to be part of giving them um, sort of year-round indoor indoor training and lessons and things as well. They they are an 18-hole golf course with a par three course attached. So they're going to get some upgrades to their par three course as well and a new driving range. So there's some really good things coming out of the back of it for them if they uh, if this thing gets going and off the ground and all approved by uh, everyone in council and the like. So uh, the idea is to create an ongoing income stream. It's basically, like I said before, it's to future-proof the club's sustainability. So financially, they're, they're sound, they've got some cash behind them, and they can continue to move forward. That's what they're trying to achieve. Now, I know also where there's something similar to this concept of a retirement village on the club's ground, uh, on the club's land, um, and that's... And, I know of one that's already been started in Queensland, and that's at Burley Golf Club there just on the Gold Coast, um, where this particular project looks like it's mirroring, mirroring uh, what they've done at Burley. And Burley's really hooked in. Uh, they're going in leaps and bounds. I haven't been able to to, um, to catch up with the general manager, Ian Cottle, there for an update in uh, in recent times at all. But, but I will do that to see how they're going, because when I last saw it, they were really getting into it. Ground had been broken. They were really going hell for leather with it. The, the upgrades have sort of been completed on the golf course. And uh, yeah, so similar concept. Basically, it, it just gives them another revenue stream. And uh, it gives them an ongoing ongoing income that, they, that can support the club moving forward in the future. So one to keep an eye on. will be good for Pacific Golf Club by the look. So uh, that's in their plans. And uh, look forward to seeing how that turns out, them, out for them. And if you remember the club, or if you're looking uh, to see the facilities and things. It looks like it's all going to be upgraded. So very, very exciting moving forward if that one gets off the ground there at Pacific Golf Club in Carindale in Brisbane. Now we've spent a bit of time in Queensland, so let's go into New South Wales where we're going to go straight to the Central West to Wentworth Golf Club in Orange. Now I've spoken about Wentworth Golf Club in the past. I think it was either my first or second episode actually, um, where Wentworth was being amalgam was amalgamating with Orange X Services Club in Orange. I've recently spoken with a new superintendent. They've got a new superintendent out there at Wentworth Golf Club, and that is young Josh Sims. Now Josh had previously worked at Orange X Services Club. Uh, Orange X Services Country Club, sorry, which is the 18-hole golf course that closed down in uh, in Orange, and he's now superintendent of Wentworth. So as part of that amalgamation, they were looking for someone to take over the role of superintendent. Josh has now got the reins and is really licking his lips and getting excited about uh, the season ahead at Wentworth. So he's pretty excited. There's plenty to do. The club has a good vision looking and moving forward. So, uh, yeah, really excited to see how things are going to progress at Wentworth Golf Club there at Orange uh, under the reins of young Josh Sims. Now, part of what's going on there is that with the amalgamation, Orange X Services, even though we're in COVID, um, some businesses are able to do a few things and some aren't, obviously, but they, they want to start moving the course forward. So they've decided as a club that they've got some money to spend and they're going to do some of the minor upgrades that they want to just be able to keep the place moving. And and in the case of of, of Wentworth, they uh, with the wet winter that's been had out there, there's been a, quite a bit of rain. And I don't know if some people do know or don't know that countryside uh, reasonably well, but it, it has pretty good soils over there. And, and when you get a bit of traffic in carts and things and there's no cart paths, you get mud tracks and that sort of stuff where there's some areas from the drought that have got little uh, little grass cover and things like that. So they've quickly had a few issues with uh, with some areas of wear and tear from carts. And it's good that they've got players out to have that problem. 
which is a good thing in a sense. But the club's already decided that they're spending money. Uh, so they've started to uh, put or install some cart paths around. Now, one of those main areas for them out there was the first hole had quite a few problems in it uh, for safe travel and transport of the golf carts of, of their players. And they've put in basically a full length path. It just allows, like I said, for safe use of the carts and, and reducing the damage. And they had some areas that, that sort of directed carts into small zones and narrow strips, which are causing causing some issues. And Josh has been kind enough to send me some of those uh, those photos of the of the paths going in there on the first and, and around some parts of the golf course. So I'm going to throw up some things on Instagram. So keep an eye on my account, the Golfing Greenkeeper, and uh, we'll see if we can get some of those photos up for you to have a look at and some of the things that are just starting at Wentworth Golf Club. So it's really good to see. Now, look in the in the near future. I know talking to Josh that uh, overall the club is also looking to upgrade their entire irrigation system, which I've got to tell you is really, really good news. Good news for the club and people of that area. They've had a very antiquated, very old system there that that didn't really allow for a lot of the golf course to be covered, just some of the main areas. It was very manual use, so not automated, not automatic at all, um, not not a lot of pop-ups either in in-ground pop-up sprinklers, so it was a lot of dragging hoses and, and knocker sprinklers around and that sort of stuff. So they're going to do a full irrigation system for the whole golf course. Not sure when, but they're basically looking into those uh, getting quotes and tenders at the moment, which I can let you know, which is fantastic. And and this is one of those things that for areas west of the Great Divide, where there's less regular rainfall, certainly for turf growth, it is is quite difficult. If you don't have a significant water supply, which a lot of the golf courses don't out there once the rivers start to get low or their dams get low or their bores get low they they really do struggle and uh it's it's going to be really good that they're looking to um they don't have a irrigation system so they're looking to see what water security they've got to get but but basically they they've got some plenty of water at uh, wentworth because they've got some really large dams on site they just their issue has been getting it out properly so they're going to be able to do that much better in the coming years. So I'll be able to keep you posted as to how that progresses. But look, overall, Wentworth being under new management at the top of the helm, being under new management on course with the superintendent, Josh, Josh Sims, and uh, and starting to invest in, uh, in infrastructure and, and parts of the course moving forward. So keep an eye on Wentworth Golf Club in Orange. Duntry, in my opinion, is the pick of the bunch out there. And Wentworth has always sort of been a bit of a sleeper. With this investment over the next few years, I think you'll find Wentworth will really start to come of age. And I'm really excited about it because it's, it's a great layout. It's got some wonderful golf holes. It's a well-established club with a great membership. And, uh, and we're looking to see that that will improve over the coming years. And I'll keep you updated with it, which is going to be fantastic. So Wentworth Golf Club in Orange, sensational news out there. In New South Wales, not far from the central west, we're going to move a little bit east towards Sydney and we're going to jump up in the heights of the Blue Mountains where we come across Blackheath Golf Club. Now, I know Blackheath Golf Club well, uh, having grown up in the Blue Mountains and been a superintendent and greenkeeper in the Blue Mountains, done my time there, played pennants and travelled around, no people from the golf club, still no people at the golf club. And uh, look, Blackheath's a wonderful golf course. If you've not played it, if you've never seen it, it really is uh, a well set out golf course it is short all the mountains courses are reasonably short 
uh, being on a tablelands, there's not a lot of space, bordered by National Park, World Heritage National Park. So, look, but it is a beautiful setting at Blackheath Golf Club. Now, a little bit of news coming out of Blackheath is, uh, and I caught up with on the phone with Superintendent Luke Skinner. Now, Blackheath have recently engaged golf course architect Harley Cruz from Cruz Golf. He's looking at doing a bit of work with the golf club for uh, some rejigging of a golf course out there, which is going to include a spare hole. So there's a little bit, I don't know a lot of the details just yet, but I know that Harley's engaged. He's doing work up there. Luke's excited to have him uh, involved and and they've already started work on their spare hole so that, that that's going to allow them to do work on their other holes so they can shut a hole down and use a spare hole. Like a lot of courses try to achieve if they've got that space for it. I know that uh, the last time Blackheath was done when it was, was when I was a kid, they rejigged uh, quite a bit of the course. I think it was 1991, possibly. Uh, 1991, 92, very, very early when I was very young, just starting to get into golf and, and they'd done it. And so nothing's been done for the best part of 30 years to, uh, to the golf course at Blackheath. That doesn't always mean you need to do something, but in modern times where, especially in the Blue Mountains, and I know in areas of parkland style courses where vegetation can become an issue as green sites age with old construction methods and and certainly some areas that have changed as as club boards come and go and and some people have right or wrong inputs and and it's an evolving landscape of golf courses so there's always got to be a finger on the pulse they've got harley involved which is going to give them really really good direction and certainly going to be able to see what uh, we're looking to see what can come out of that work that harley's looking to do with the golf club so Keep an ear out for Blackheath. If you're a regular player up in the mountains or if you're a regular into Blackheath itself and you know the course, have a chat to a few of the members and see what's going on there. But I'm very excited about it because I know the place very, very well and I'm looking forward to see what Harley's going to be able to do with the golf club. Might actually have a chat to Harley about it when I get him on the podcast next and I'm hoping to get up there myself and, and chat to Luke and see what's going on of course. So I'll be able to bring you more regularly because I know the place very, very well. So keep an ear out. I'll keep you posted. But again, Blackheath, good things happening in the club financially. They're moving in the right direction and they've engaged the right person being a professional golf course architect to do uh, to give them a vision moving forward. So really, really good call from Blackheath and uh, really, really good call to be able to use Harley in, in certainly involved in the club there and, and the golf course. So I actually add a footnote to that. This I'm really excited about seeing a, a named, a very good named architect being engaged by a smaller club, not something that we see very often. And I think a lot of smaller clubs wonder whether, you know, golf course architects are approachable, whether they're affordable, whether they're, you know, the right types of people. Do they need one? Do they not need one? I, I really think every course does. I think you've got to have the right professionals in all those areas to get the best out of your land and your landscape and ultimately to be able to deliver the best products. We've got more astute golfers in the world these days with social media at our fingertips and you're able to talk to architects for goodness sakes on on social media as well so a lot more people are generally more knowledgeable about bits and pieces as well in the in the golfing world and uh, and i think this is a really good move by blackheath i know that harley's done work at at catalina country club down in batemans bay which is again another regional golf club we know harley's done Kalara. we know lots of the the bigger architects around the country like ocm have done work at Peninsula Kingswood and Lonsdale and, and you know, architects are, are doing, have always done work at the big name courses and the courses with a lot of money. But it's really good to see clubs when they do have a bit of cash, 
or make a strategic um, decision to utilize their funds well to get the right answers from the right professionals. And, and I think more regional clubs need to, need to really just get on the phone and call these guys, call an architect or get some advice. Hell, you can even call me and ask me who's approachable. I don't care. But I think that more clubs, more regional golf clubs in not only New South Wales, but Australia need to go, hey, what can we get for our money? If we look at a 20-year plan that we can we can work down, that our green staff superintendent and their team can work towards that 20-year goal, There's you're always ticking boxes. When we did Katoomba just before we closed, we went down this road the club and the developer engaged an architect we've got a plan for moving forward but we weren't able to to progress on that because ultimately we disappeared but i think this is a great move by blackheath and I, like i said i know other regional clubs that have done it and and I, I think more regional clubs need to consider spending money on laying down the path forward before they blindly walk a path that they don't know so I, w- I would love to see, and I hope to be able to let you know more of the regional clubs that are going to do it, more of the smaller clubs. Obviously, as I hear about news from anyone, I'll let you know, but it really excites me that these sorts of golf clubs are investing in this way. Yeah, I, I-, I hope to bring you more. But Blackheath, great move, guys. Moving up the far north coast of New South Wales, we're going to stick into New South Wales at the moment. That's where I'm, I'm hearing a lot of news. Going to Byron Bay Golf Club. You know, some of you may or may not know Byron Bay Golf Club, you probably know Byron Bay, I'm certain of it, the easternmost point in the country, uh, in the the, the uh, mainland of Australia. But what I will say is that it's a sleeper of a golf course. If you ventured up to the Gold Coast, if you ventured into southeast Queensland or even northern New South Wales and you've not made the effort to play Byron, you missed out. And you're continuing to miss out until you go there. I can tell you now, I love Byron. It's a home course of Nick Wall from Airswing Media, he's the one who dragged me down there just by chance, and I'd never knew Nick at the time, but through social media, um, Nick dragged me down to Byron, and it was one of the best trips I'd been surprised by and had, and I love going back to visit Byron Bay Golf Club. It is an absolute ripper, ripper golf course. Under the uh, under the direction of Superintendent Sean Cross, and Sean has been there for a, for a number of years now, I think it's probably over 12 years to be honest, and he's done a great lot of work there with the club, good direction. They're, they're walking down a path that is bringing the quality out of the golf course, and they hold some ripper events as well towards the summertime and, um, you know, the Champions Tour, I think it's called. Or the, it's it's the former pros that we all know from the tour. So it, it's really good to uh, to see those guys playing there, and they get quite a crowd of, of people watching and being involved. So Byron is sensational and uh one to go for i will mention that if you if you do follow them or if you've seen on social media they've been doing plenty of bunker work up there and uh, rebuilding their bunkers to basically to to basically give them some sort of maintenance maintenance proof storm proof them waterproof them maintenance proof them so that they can get longer life out less less regular maintenance and they can hold their own and present better day in day out now a big part of that was their drainage and using a bunker liner. They've used Custom Bind, which is that polymer-based product. And you might recall I've mentioned that Hamilton Island Golf Club used it uh, and redid all their bunkers at Hamo. Byron have done the same. They've gone down their research path and they've come up with Custom Bind as being the bunker liner of choice for them. And they've gone with that product. So they've, I 
look, they've just been smashing out their bunkers this winter. I'm not sure whether they've finished the course or they're uh, well on their way to finishing all their bunkers, but they've done a great job. Um, lots and lots and lots and lots of drainage work, not only in the bunkers, but also fairways and surrounds of green. So there are some wet areas up there. They get stacks of rain at Byron, not quite as much as up north in the, in the wet season in North Queensland, but they still get a, a hell of a lot of rain. I really think that with the forecast of La Nina for this coming season, I think this could prove very, very timely for the golf course to invest this sort of money uh, into um, basically proofing, waterproofing, stormproofing their bunkers. Will be a great move long-term, could be even more timely for, for the season that's right in front of us on our doorstep. And uh, like I said, Superintendent Sean Cross is, uh, is doing a great lot of work up there with his team. And they have done for a long time. If you have not been to Byron, do yourself a favor and get there because it is just brilliant. And coming into October for me, it's just a wonderful, September, October is a wonderful time of the year to play up there. It's just such beautiful daytime temperatures. So, and the humidity is low. My body can handle the low humidity. So uh, look, and one thing I'm going to try and do just for you guys out there, I'm actually going to see if I can get hold of Sean because I'd love to have a chat to him on the podcast and just sort of chat a little bit about his, uh, his journey at Byron Bay up there, it's, it, it really is, whenever I go there, like I said, I absolutely love playing it, and uh, and I'm sure if you get there, you will too. That's Walking the Fairways for this episode number seven, guys. I hope you got a bit of news out of it. There's always news coming, and I will always find it for you. Now, it's not like me to want to do a golf travel segment. I don't, I'm not about golf travel. I'm about green keeping and architecture and, and, but just golf in general. And I do travel. I've been fortunate enough to travel a lot. So I've decided that in the world of COVID that we're living in at the moment, and we can't really go to many places, I thought I'd, I'd bring to you some tips of in-house travel, places that we can go where we don't need a passport. And that means that you can't even leave the state you're in at the moment. So we kind of need passports just to go into state these days. And it's so hard to get them that you really can't even go into state. So I'm talking local travel. Now, being a New South Welshman and growing up in Sydney in the Blue Mountains, I know New South Wales pretty well. I've traveled New South Wales quite extensively, not only for, for holidays, but certainly for golf as well. And, uh, and I know quite a lot of golf clubs around, superintendents, former, former green keepers. So what I wanted to try and do was to bring you my tips of some of the top courses that I think are good for golf trips. They're little holiday hubs, but based around other things, of course, that's what makes them great holiday hubs. But they've also got golf courses, which you may or may not know about. But I'm going to tell you what ones I think if you're thinking about a long weekend, if you're thinking about a week away, whether it be with the with the missus or vice versa, with the husband, or if it's with the with the family, if the kids play golf, you've got young kids, whatever it might be, have a little holiday, but also places where you might be able to um, enjoy some games of golf on some courses that I think are great that you might not have played, you might not have heard of. But these are my tips. So going to start this one with New South Wales. I'm going to bring some of these to you. I'll expand over the coming episodes. Uh, whilst we're in lockdown statewide COVID. But I'm going to start with New South Wales and we'll get into a couple of these little sections that that uh, I think have got little ripper golf courses to play. First off is the Central West. So I'm going to start there because I know it pretty well, like I said. 
Now, you've got townships like Bathurst, you've got townships like Orange, you've got townships like, you know, there's uh, pushing towards Wellington, Mudgee, Lithgow, uh, anywhere west of that range on that central line of the, the Mitchell Highway and the Great Western Highway, that sort of stuff. So there's those little hubs. Everyone knows Bathurst. We all know Bathurst for the big race, the 1,000-kilometre race, but Bathurst is a lovely city, lots of lots and lots of history, local history, history of when, um, you know, European settlers first moved west and there's there's natural history there and, and it's just beautiful farming land and, and wonderful landscapes. But I'm going to tell you about if you want to go to this area and play golf for a little bit of a golfing holiday or you can, there's some other things to see. It's, it's become a growing wine region as well. Now, we all know about the Hunter Valley. Um, we all know about other, the Barossa Valley's interstate and, and things like that, you know other wine regions interstate of Australia. and uh, But but the, the highlands and the central west of New South Wales has got a bit of a name for itself in terms of its wine. So we, we talk of places like Orange. There's some parts of Bathurst that have wine areas, vineyards, well-known. They're even on Mount Panorama, the racetrack itself. Uh, there's there's growing wine region down at Cowra, which is about an hour south of Bathurst. And Mudgee is another well-known wine region in the central west. But there's also some really good golf to be had in these areas. So say, for example, you've heard me talk about Duntry League and Wentworth Golf Club. So there's two clubs that are in Orange Township itself. Now, Orange is about three and a half hours or so west of Sydney over the Great Divide. But it's only an hour. Uh, sorry, it's only 45 minutes or so just west of Bathurst. So if you were to, say, plant yourself in, in Bathurst or Orange for a few days or even a week, Really, if you want to play a few games of golf, you've got you've got Duntry League and Wentworth Golf Clubs in in Orange. Now, my pick there is Duntry League, and it was designed by uh, the layout was laid out by Eric Appley, who's done uh, who's famous for doing work at New South Wales Golf Club under the uh, the the loose routing of of Dr. Alistair McKenzie, of course. And New South Wales, everyone knows, is one of the best golf courses in the country. But he also did Newcastle Golf Club, which I think is extremely underrated. Is highly rated by uh, by industry professionals and experts in in the list of Australia's top golf courses, but for some reasons not very well known in Newcastle. But Duntry League, however, has Eric Appley's touch to it, and it's a beautifully presented golf course. It's got a wonderful historic mansion at the top of the hill, which is part of the clubhouse. It's ginormous mansion. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful historic piece that oversees all the grounds. Now they were basically gardens um, around the, the mansion, but it's now become this wonderful 18-hole golf course, really presents well. Um, you'll enjoy Duntry League, no doubt. You'll enjoy Wentworth, no doubt. Bathurst, for me, is a really enjoyable golf course as well. And uh, I'm going to throw in Mudgee. It's a little bit further away. So that the first three courses, Duntry League, Wentworth and Bathurst, are all within 45 minutes of each other, more or less, between the two townships. Mudgee's a little bit further away, uh, it's about an hour and a half of from from north from Bathurst, uh, and Mudgee has got an absolute ripper country golf course. It's got some great long par fives, which I'm a big fan of. The 17th is a beautiful little short par three that when the creek that runs through the course is flowing, it's on the right-hand side of the green. It's a beautiful gum tree that, that sort of sweeps in from the left-hand side, sort of halfway between the tee and the green. Downhill shot to the green. It's just a typical country country hole and it, and it really um, really stands out. It's got wonderful fairways, good cover of Kaikuyu fairways, which which go well in summertime. 
and and the greens have always of, of the pick of the courses there i'm going to probably say that mudgy have the best greens uh for me i love that really smooth flat fast they've probably got the best bent grass coverage uh greens that i can recall when i've played there last now that was a number of years ago but look between those four courses if you can't have a really good sort of four days holiday in the central west of new south wales and four great games of golf talking to country local people um that 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 frequent the golf clubs they're all very hospitable they're all lovely people uh, if you if you can't have a good time with those four courses, I reckon you, you're not a very uh, good golfer to, to enjoy uh, traveling traveling golf with. So that for me is probably they're the golf courses to play. There are other courses around a little bit further afield. Cowra is uh, is a golf course down on the on sort of near the Lachlan River in Cowra, Cowra Golf Club. It's an enjoyable course, probably lesser quality than uh, than the four I've mentioned. Wellington Golf Club. Uh, a little bit northwest of of uh, Orange is uh, is an enjoyable 18 holes. It's got some caves in the middle of it, which you can decide if you want to go for a, a cave tour down there as well. Some beautiful underground caves, uh, a bit unique uh, in the middle of a golf course, but uh, it's just out of town at Wellington. That's also a good 18-hole golf course, but Bathurst, Duntry League, Wentworth, and both of those in Orange and Mudgy Golf Course, they're the four for me in the Central West. So if you want to play golf out there and have a bit of a holiday long weekend week away family kids whatever there's plenty to see in the townships plenty of history as well if you like that sort of thing but certainly if you base it around golf you've got four great golf courses to play out there that's for sure and you certainly will enjoy it moving north to uh, the northwest slopes and plains of new south wales now i'm talking up near tamworth that sort of place tamworth armadale just sort of west of the great divide armadale sits on the great divide a little bit gets very very cold it's quite high tamworth golf club very well known very well known golf club in that region well patronized plenty of members they love it great country golf course again it's got a very very good name that's one that you'll enjoy now there's one out there that people may not know about tamworth is a little bit like orange it's got two golf courses big town tamworth's got like something like over fifty thousand people it's huge if not more i think but Along with Tamworth Golf Club, there's Longyard Golf Club. Now, Longyard, for those that may or may not know, is just out of town. Like, it's not right in the middle of town. It's just a little on the verges of town. It's probably, and I could be wrong here, it could well be the first, or if not, one of the very first golf courses designed by Greg Norman and Bob Harrison. It's called Longyard. Now, I don't know Longyard, but I have heard plenty. I've heard plenty. Now, it was, I believe it was opened in 1988. So that puts it very early days uh, for that design duo of Norman and, and Harrison. You might research it and find out a little bit more info about it. But my understanding is I think it could be their first um, design together. Certainly, I think Norman's first to put a name to. Again, I can say this all day long. Good country courses because they've got plenty of rooms. They've got some great long golf holes. So um, being, being Norman and Harrison design, you've got some really good little tricky golf holes on there as well, get you thinking. But overall, um, apparently it presents well, it plays well, a few water bodies around and a really enjoyable um, golf course to play golf on. So I know plenty of people that travel up that way and Long Yard's on their list. It's on their list to play. They love playing there. Um, it's sort of a, probably a little bit more of a tougher test than Tamworth being a sort of, say, a more modern design loosely. But uh, there's a Norman golf course that you may or may not know about up at Tamworth in the Northwest Plains. So one to play Tamworth Long Yard in the town of Tamworth. 
moving out a little bit further. This is where you can you can plant yourself at Tamworth and, and play a few courses around that you'll enjoy. Armadale Golf Club is one to play. It's a beautiful Highland golf course up north of New South Wales. It's got some great golf holes again. Usually always find, certainly on those places in the high country, big elevation changes. The clubhouse sits up really high. It's magnificent view across the town and across the golf course below you. I played there about five years ago, six years ago, and uh, it's a treat to play. And I played there in autumn, and the colours, it reminds me of the Blue Mountains so much, just the colours of the trees as they turn colour for, for that cool season really starting to kick in. Beautiful, uh, beautiful plants and beautiful trees. The layout is pretty good. It's enjoyable track. It's got a good mix of holes, but overall, it's the quality, the quality of the course. And that's what I'm trying to talk about with all of these tracks that I mentioned. If you're going to go there, these are the ones that I think have good people behind them. They've got a good club behind them and a good membership, which means they've got a little bit of money to, to spend on the maintenance. And uh, certainly at Armadale, great greens, slick greens. It's, uh, it's a great course to play on. If you're a good low handicapper, you'll enjoy it just the same as if you're a higher handicapper. It's got a little bit of room. It's, it's easy to navigate around. Bit of a walk being up and up and down a little bit with the elevation change. But I, uh, what I remember of Armadale, it's got some really, really good par threes. So uh, again, one to enjoy. Now that's about an hour north of Tamworth. So again, if you base yourself in Tamworth, you've got two tracks in town. You can go north for an hour and a bit to Armadale. And on the other side of it, you can head west to a township called Gunnedah. Now, Gunnedah is not a very large town, but it has a well-known golf course. Now, um, Chop is the name of the superintendent out there. Uh, Ian Elfin is, uh, is his name. He's a superintendent. Been there a long time. Very, very highly regarded greenkeeper in the industry. And uh, a lot of people know Chop. I've uh, had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times. I've not played Gunnedah. I'm actually a little bit dirty that I haven't played it because in terms of country golf courses, certainly up the northern parts of New South Wales, it is very, very highly spoken of. So that's your four up there. Base yourself at Tamworth. Tamworth Golf Club, Longyard Golf Club, Norman Design, Armadale up north in the high country, and then out west, an hour west of Tamworth, you'll go to Gunnedah. So four courses that you'll play and thoroughly enjoy, no doubt. The last place in New South Wales traveling golf that I'm going to talk about for a holiday destination, I'm sure you all know about it, is the Murray River. Now, the part of the Murray, it's a little bit tricky at the moment that I'm going to talk about is that it's all New South Wales only. So if you're a New South Welshman and you're wanting to travel within New South Wales, I'm going to mention the eastern half of the Murray River because we can't cross the river. You're not going to want to go into Victoria because if you do, you can't come out without going into quarantine. So thankfully, most of the golf courses along the Murray are on the New South Wales side. I'm going to start at Albury. So we'll start in town at Albury Golf Club, well-known golf course in town, been there a long time, and it's a good quality golf course. I don't know a lot about it myself. I haven't played there, haven't been there, but it is highly regarded and it's been there a long time, very well patronized. Plenty of people play golf there. They enjoy it thoroughly and it's well looked after. And you'll find the theme along all these golf courses is because they're on the Murray, they've all got plenty of water and they've all been invested. Uh, they've all invested their money very, very well over over the years that, that they've been around. So um, they're ever expanding and ever improving. Albury's on your hit list. There's one called Thaguna, which is just on the eastern side of Albury Township itself in the suburb of Thaguna. Now, it's a Thompson Wolverage design. So they've got a few names here because these clubs have a bit of money. 
They've always had a bit of money over the years. There's a lot of history in this region. And uh, Thaguna is one that's an eight-in-hole golf course. I liken it, when I saw it last year, I liken it on face value. I haven't played it, but I've been there. I liken it to a little bit more like Camden Lakeside in Sydney, or it's now called Lakeside, I think. I can't remember. Um, lots of humps and bumps. Typical Thompson Wolverish design. Lots of humps and bumps around the sides of the fairways, funneling your, your ball in, good bunkering, um, good small elevation movement. So an enjoyable golf course, a more modern golf course than Albury, and uh, and is uh, one to play on your hit list, but it's 18 holes. So there's two 18-hole golf courses in town in the main town of Albury, and Albury itself is a big place to base yourself. I think this stretch of the eastern part of the Murray River that I'm going to talk about is probably Albury's your best place to stay. Some of the uh, the golf courses, actually, if not most of them, have their own have plenty of accommodation either nearby or on site because they're really some of these places are really large golf resorts that I'm about to mention. So the Murray River is a well-known golf holiday area, and if you've never been there. It's one to really go down there and you could literally spend two weeks. The amount of golf that I'm about to mention, there's so much golf here. Literally, you've got about 10 days of golf if you wanted to. So like I mentioned, those two, Albury and Thaguna, we move west from Albury. And this is where the run of golf courses. We move west to How Long Golf Club. Now, How Long, plenty of people might have heard of. Um, it's a uh, it's an eight and hole golf course. It's uh, It's got a good reputation. Lots of people... Can, uh, lots of people join it for as a country membership, but if you get down there and play golf, I remember driving past it when I was driving along there. I didn't go and see it, but I did drive past it, and uh, and it's a great-looking golf course there on the uh, alongside the river. How long is about 20 minutes west of west of Albury, so not that far, 18 holes. Good course, well-talked about, well-known, and, and a stop along the way. Now, if you move along a little bit further than how long, you, uh, you come to a place called Korowa. Now, Korowa, again, I've heard of all these places, but I haven't been to them. I just hear people talk about them all the time. Usually visited by Victorians, this area, because it's only, it's, what is it? I think it's about three or four hours from Melbourne. So it's not that far to drive from Melbourne if you want a weekend away. But from Sydney, from most of the rest of New South Wales, it is a trek. So if you're going to go down, there's plenty to do along the river, water sports, fishing, history, whatever. There's stacks to do down there, but golf is enormous. So if you haven't done it before, you normally travel to the Gold Coast. You might travel to Melbourne. You might go overseas. We can't do that anymore. So if you're still hanging and tonguing for golf, try these places. And the Murray is probably one of our biggest, even though I never really knew it, one of the biggest in the country. So, And uh, certainly on the east side. So we moved to Korowa. Now, Korowa sits about it's sort of sorry i think it's about 40 minutes from albury 40 minutes west from albury and it is a 27 hole facility and coral was well known so there's a there's a good golf course and a half to play there no worries and uh that's that's a really good golf course that you'll want to get at and certainly plenty of facilities if you go further west again along the uh we're going to go past lake mulwalla I think is how you pronounce it. It's a huge lake along the Murray. Towards that end of town, it's basically we're now pushing an hour and 20 minutes west of Albury, you're going to come to a place called Yarrawonga. You might have heard of Yarrawonga as well. I certainly had, but I didn't realise just what Yarrawonga was. It is a 45-hole golf complex 
along the banks of the Murray, semi-set in bushland, native Australian bushland, of course. It is the largest golf resort in Australia. I had no idea that it was the largest golf resort in Australia. And for me, I just sit here and think, on the Murray, in the bush, why would you have the largest golf facility and golf resort in Australia? Well, you do. 45 holes, and they're banging golf holes. It's a Thompson Wolverine design across the whole course. It's been... It was open before these guys touched it, um, but they were able to work it over their years uh, across the 45 holes. They've done extensive work, changes, improvements, and bits and pieces, and it is a well-regarded golf complex, golf resort. Like I said, to be the largest in Australia along the Murray, if that doesn't tell you how big a golf destination this area is, I don't know what will, and it always, always raises my eyebrows. So... You keep going here at Yarrawonga now with 45 holes. We're going to move further west again to a place called Cobram Baruga. Cobram is a twin township. Uh, Baruga is basically on the New South Wales side. Cobram is on the Victoria side. And Cobram Baruga, the golf course or the golf complex there is on the New South Wales side. And it itself, again, <laughs> it's not small. It's a 36-hole complex. So Cobram's the best part of, uh, what are we talking? We're talking about an hour and 40 minutes now west of, of Albury. Um, so these are these are nearly a drive in the morning. You get there and play golf. But like I said, there's the townships along the way. There's plenty of accommodation if you wanted to, to change halfway through your stay. You might stay a few days in Albury, then stay a few days further along. There's all sorts of things to do in these areas along this region that there's even you know they've got wines and they've got oils and they've got water sports and fishing and, and boating and travel and transport and all sorts of bits and pieces like i said there's even plenty of history and i've done a segment on tokemol before but we'll get to tokemol shortly but cobram's a 36 hole complex then we move further west to tokemol and we're talking about nearly pushing towards two hours and for two hours west of albury and you're going to um, to get another 36-hole complex there at Tokemol. Tokemol, as I mentioned, uh, if you've heard one of my podcasts in the past, it was centre stage, and it's got plenty of history with its RAF base there or its its Air Force base that was there uh, historically um, during the war, during World War II. And uh, there's a 36-hole golf course there at Tokemol as well. So we've got an enormous expanse of golf to play. 18 in Albury, I'll go over it again, 18 in Albury, 18 at Thaguna, Thompson Wolverage, 18 at Howlong, 27 at Corowa, 45 at Yarrawonga, which is again Thompson Wolverage, and then you've got 36 at Cobram Baruga and 36 more at Tokemol. You could spend two weeks on the eastern half of this golf destination in the Murray and play enough golf to satisfy you, I'm sure, for, for a good few months. So if you're looking at golf trips, the central west, as I mentioned, the northwest slopes and plains, and the eastern half of the Murray River, uh, which is sort of from Albury west by about nearly two hours. You've got, I can't even think of them, adding them all up. There's, there's over 100 bloody golf holes there. There's so much golf. There's probably nearly 200 golf holes. <laughs> but that's my tips for golf travel. So over the next six months, if you really want to get away, you want to do something different, and you can't go to Queensland, you can't go to Melbourne, this is from within New South Wales, if you're thinking about traveling to these places, then make yourself a hub somewhere. It's the, it's the in word at the moment. Everyone's making a hub. Make a hub base somewhere and then travel around from there and, and you've got the best part of three or four days of golf, if not more if we're talking the Murray, 
where you can really, really let you, you know, stretch your legs out, play some good quality golf and uh, and really enjoy yourselves. And you might learn something different. You might find a destination that you didn't know of. You might find somewhere that you might want to get back to yet again. And there are other courses around these these hubs and I've played a lot of them. You know, Central West, there's Oberon, there's there's um, Kando, uh, Henbury at Candos, there's Wellington, like I said, you can push further to Dubbo if you wanted to. Look, there's, there, there is always a lot more golf courses around, but they're my pick of the bunch. So if you're going to go and start planning somewhere, there's some tips and go out there and enjoy golf, guys. And I hope you really do find something new out there because some of these places you will absolutely love. And that's golf travel. Now we come down to my favorite place, the Greenkeeper Shed, once again for a bit of an information session on something to do with golf courses and maintenance. But this one, like I said in my intro, wanted to discuss and talk about tee market positions. Now I had a recent exchange with one of my followers, and I say exchange loosely, I received a bit of a story from them about how they were playing on a golf course. And now I'm not going to name the golf course. That would be unfair. But they were playing on a golf course where they had a verbal exchange with a superintendent about the position of or the tee markers that they were hitting off from or where they were hitting off on the tees. And that exchange, that verbal exchange was semi-heated by, and I've only heard one side of the story, was semi-heated, whereby the superintendent basically said, guys, you are not allowed to play from this area, from these markers. You've been told to play from the front. So they were playing from the back because they play the course regularly um, and they were members of the golf course, but they were playing from the back, further back markers on the, on the tees uh, because they like to mix it up. Sometimes they play from the front, sometimes they play from the back but they were told that they were under only allowed under no uncertain terms, were only allowed to play from the front markers whenever they played golf there that wasn't in a competition. And that was the crux of it. These guys were playing socially early in the morning and they didn't want to play from the front markers. They wanted to play from other areas on the holes to enjoy a different length golf course whenever they played. And like I said, they were playing regularly. Now, I used to encounter this. So I've had both sides of the story here because I've been a player. I've been that that player that goes and visits a golf course or plays regularly at their home track. And I, I like to play from different areas all the time because I like to mix it up. But I've also been a greenkeeper and been on the side where I've had people come and play early in the morning before we're at cutting or whatever it might be and We've got the markers set up and they're playing from the from the blue markers, for example, and they're visitors and, and you know, they, they should, in inverted commas, be playing from the yellow markers because they weren't members. Blue markers, white markers were for members only, competition only, all that jazz. If you're a social player visitor, you have to play from the yellow and so on and so on, blah, 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 boring, boring, bullshit, bullshit, in my opinion. Now, once I became superintendent, I really wanted to try, in my opinion, to educate the club that I worked at and the committee and the board that we should, in my opinion, be open to golfers wanting to play from wherever they felt they could play from. So it's basically a skill level 
tea marker arrangement more so than a I don't know what you call it a members visitors based tea marker positions whereby most courses are set up that members play from the blue markers or the white markers that are further back and visitors play from the furthest forward markers you can which are usually yellow now I have an issue with that and I've always had an issue with that because if I spend a hundred dollars playing on a golf course and I pay my fees and I go to a golf club and I'm a visitor I would like to experience the golf course at a testing level I want to experience the full length of the golf course I don't see why I can't because um, I'm paying full freight I might not be paying membership fees but I don't play there every week I might visit it once a year I might visit it once ever <clears throat> it might be my only experience but a lot of places loathe that they they sneer at you you get these looks filthy looks from members you get filthy looks from ground staff like i said this one instance of this um discussion i'd had with a follower was that they did have a a verbal discussion with a superintendent on a golf course now i i can never really understand this the the sacred areas that are the backs of the tees that are for members only they, when i was an apprentice I was told that, you know, the backs of the markers, the backs of the tees and the plate areas and whatever are, are for monthly medals and championship events only. It's the only time the markers were allowed back there. And equally, it was the only time anyone was allowed to play from there. I don't understand why it's this hallowed turf. Your job as a greenkeeper is to repair the golf course and continue to maintain the golf course at the highest level. Now, it's an easy option if you only put the markers in one area at the back of the tees to play the full length of the golf course once a month. It's not very hard to maintain those areas. And golf is forever moving. So why is it that, say, a midweek setup is always in the same spot, middle of the tees, or in those same areas on the par threes or the par fives? Why is it that as a visitor, you have to play from the yellow markers on a lot of these golf courses? a lot of the member-based golf courses, you know, where they say, you're down the front. Our members play from back there, but you've got to play from down the front. They go, well, hang on, it cost me 60 bucks. cost me 100 bucks. Why can't I play from the back? I'm not going to take 100 divots from the comp that you're playing there in that one area. I'm going to take one. Or the four of us might take four. Or let's include, a, let's go all out and say that there's four of us and we have a practice swing divot and a shot make divot so that's two per person that's eight eight divots on that area and that area that day because that's where we played from as far as i'm concerned markers really should only be there for competition market you you should if you want to go and play golf you can go and tee up wherever you want on the tee box on the teeing area just go and play from wherever you don't need to have we don't need five sets of tees or ten sets of tees just the tees for the competition of the day. Why else do we have markers? Well, what's the point? I, it means it's it's almost like a limitation. Or you're telling people that you're not good enough to play from here. Now, I've been on the receiving end myself of teeing off in an area where I wasn't meant to. It was frowned upon. I had a member come up, and this is many, many, many years ago, when I was much younger. 
less experience working on golf courses and certainly even playing golf. And they told me I wasn't allowed to tee off that area. I wasn't allowed to play off the plates. That was for the members, members only. But um, in a world where golf clubs are wanting, you know, as much money as they can from as many people as possible, why aren't we embracing and being open to people playing? It, I don't care. Look, honestly, as a greenkeeper, if your biggest problem is having to repair divots that are not in a sort of two by five meter rectangle, instead you've got to walk the tee and look for divots in other areas as you you know repair them or move the markers around or whatever. Whoop de do, get over it. That's your job, man. Jesus, I, I'm serious. I, I, people lose their minds over this stuff, uh, and and it really bamboozles me. I'll, I'll 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 give you one example, recent example for me though. This is a positive example. This is a progressive example. I couldn't get it through at my club at Katoomba. They wouldn't have a bar of it. I said visitors should be able to ask the pro shop, you know, what the skill levels like for different areas. Can I play off the black off the back tees? Oh, look, it's a bit long. It's a bit testing. There's a couple of carries. You know, do you hit the ball pretty good? What do you play off? Yeah, you play off the backs. If you're a bit of a higher handicapper, you play in the mid-20s, maybe you want to play off the forward tees. Go and find the forward tees. Um, if you're an elderly gentleman or a lady and you, you hit it along the ground a lot more, play from the tees that we have built that are in front of the water hazard. So there is, is, is no air carry. You can hit it along the ground. Um, or you're a junior that hits it along the ground that's learning the game to pick or anyone who's learning the game to pick it up. You're hitting it along the ground. More. Play from the tee boxes that are in front of the water hazards. You don't have to carry a creek. You don't have to carry a, a natural wasteland. You don't have to carry a hazard. You don't have to carry fairway bunkers, whatever it might be. We've got forward forward tees out there built for that for that reason and that situation. Uh, I couldn't get it through my club. They didn't see, they couldn't see past their noses. And I can say that because, you know, they... Um, they were a much older older membership made, made up of uh, the board was made up of older people and they just didn't they didn't feel that that was appropriate that the back of the tees and um, most of the teeing area was for members competition only and if you're a visitor you we wanted to the club was saying basically we'll take your cash but you can go and play down there somewhere we don't want you playing you know where we play so I thought that was. I thought that was off-putting. Talk about not including people. Talk about not making people feel welcome. And that's bullshit. So I think I think if you're a visitor, I think if you're a member that's playing socially, by yourself, with friends, family, other people, whatever, I think if you're not playing in a competition, you should be able to play wherever you want to and politely ask the pro shop. I think there's nothing wrong with asking either, and they should they can advise you. Equally, they could say, look, we've got our championship starting next week. Could you please not play from the back of the season? And I think I think if if you were given that information, you would equally respect that. If you if I went with a group of four people and I played a, a golf course that I was visiting for the first time and it was a public access golf course and it cost me 60 bucks to play around, and I said to the pro shop, look, I um I play off four. You know, I like to enjoy the golf course from the back of the tees. You know, do you mind if I play off the back the back markers? And they'd say to me, oh, look, our championships are starting next week. We would ask that you not hit off the back the back third of the tees because we're reserving that for the next four rounds of our championships. And I go, you know what? I'm okay with that. That's good. I appreciate you um, 
you listening and considering, and I understand that the club wants to try and present the course for its championships in the best position, best condition as possible. So, yeah, no, it's cool. No worries. I experienced, I went to Tallwoods. Now, I spoke about Tallwoods quite a bit in a couple of episodes ago, and I thoroughly enjoyed Tallwoods, and I can't wait to get back there, I've got to be honest. Now, it's up the mid-north coast of New South Wales. If you're holidaying up there, go to Tallwoods, I tell you. But moving, moving, <laughs> moving back to the point is I went to Tallwoods. There was a group of us that went there to play. And I said to the guys, look, you know, I enjoy playing from the – I want to play from the far back as possible because this is, a, you know, highly um, talked about design. Might not quite be in 100% the best condition yet, but, I, you know, I've heard a lot about it. So, But I want to test myself from the back. I want to test this design out and see what it's like. So I went back into the pro shop because we were over on the first team. We thought, what are we hitting off? Forgot to ask the question. So I went into the pro shop. I spoke to the – the young girl who was behind the shop, and uh, I said, look, you know, can I ask, do you mind if we play off the back tees? Is that okay if we can play from the, the back markers of the golf course today? And we'd never been there before. We were visitors, paid our social social fees, and and well, they didn't know us from a bar of soap, really. And, um, and, and she was like, sure, not a problem. You hit off wherever you want to hit off. Just go out there and enjoy yourself. And honestly, I nearly fell over. I was like, uh, I had to ask if she was sure that we could do that. She said, yeah, you know, that's fine. Go for it. Just um, just go out there and enjoy yourselves. And I thought, wow, that's um, different. And we went out there and admittedly we realized just how long the golf, the golf course was from the back markers. And we didn't know where we were going, so we had to learn it along the way. But just that small conversation of being polite and respectful to the golf course where we asked if we could play from the back, back tees and, and they wanted us to enjoy ourselves no matter what our skill level was. It was up to us to choose. They were like, go out and enjoy yourself. We just want you to go out and have a good game. That is how social golfers and members that are playing outside competitions should be greeted by their golf course. That is how you get people to enjoy the game. Not by telling them that we'll take your hundred bucks to play around and you can go and play down the front there somewhere where, you know, where we're not interested in. I want, I, because I can, there's plenty of people who, who can only play from the front. That's their skill level. But for a lot of people that, that are golfing travelers, they want to play it from, from wherever they feel is appropriate. Like I said, unless it's a competition, why are markers even there? I, I, I honestly don't see a point to being restricted to tee off the tee the markers uh, un, unless there's no point having seven sets of tee markers. It's just stupid. There's your competition only. Other than that, guys, there's your teeing area. You've got the plates where the hole's measured from. Play from wherever you want to. Go, just go out and enjoy yourselves. That's how it should be. None of this bullshit about protecting the tees. You've got greenkeepers on staff. Get out there and do your job at the end of the day. That's the whole point. That's what a greenkeeper is there for. You're there to, to maintain a golf course for golfers that are playing the bloody thing and equally present it and continue to present it in the top way possible, in the best way that you can, the best way 
with all the tools at your fingertips, it's possible. An extra fifty. I'm going to just go all out here. An extra fifty divots on a tee is not going to destroy the golf course. Clubs, get your head around it. There's nothing wrong with it. That's part of the process. Yes, there's tees that are small that are going to struggle. But whether they're small, whether we play from wherever we want as a player or not, or if we play from the markers or not, the divots are still in the tees, your muppets. So just deal with it. Get out there, maintain the golf course properly, stop putting bullshit restrictions on players so that they can't enjoy themselves to the full extent that they want to. I'm going to go you one step further, and I'm going to tell you a recent experience where I had the opposite to Tallwoods, and I'm going to name them, and I don't really care what they think or say. So I recently played a game, again, with a group of people, recently played a game at Cypress Lakes Golf Course, which is in the Hunter Valley. Now, I'm a huge fan of Cypress. Haven't been there to play golf for about 10 years, but I love the joint. I love the layout, love the holes. Steve Smyers, golf course design. One of the first good, well, it was, it was before the vintage. I think it was after Hunter Valley, um, which has been there a while. But yeah, one of the earlier courses to be there, uh, resort style, um, big fan of the place. Awesome, in my opinion, awesome golf course. Very, very enjoyable, very challenging, beautiful golf holes and, uh, and a beautiful setting in amongst the vineyards there in the Hunter. So played Cyprus, got into the pro shop early, Early the day that we were there to play golf, politely asked the uh, the guy in the pro shop and said, oh, listen, mate, you know, just before we head out, do you mind if we played from the back markers? Now, bear in mind, I have played Cyprus previously from um, in a number of greenkeeping industry events that used to be held there every year, and it was a massive event and um, a number of years ago, the best part of 15 plus years ago. And it was an Ambrose event, and we only ever used to play from the from the back tees. So I only know the golf course from the back. <laughs> but played there in this social game as visitors, asked politely asked if we could play from the back tees, and to which we were told that under no circumstances were we to play from the back markers, um, from the back tees. We weren't allowed to. And, and the guy in the pro shop was really good about it. He said, look, um, he said, that's a directive from the club. He said that's something that we get often get asked by people visiting. But unfortunately, unless you're in a competition, um, if you're just visiting visiting to play a social round of golf, you have to play from the forward markers. And I reasonably quickly said to him, that is a load of shit. And I won't say what he did or didn't say, but he again reiterated that it was a club directive and that were under no circumstances were we allowed to play from the from the back of the tees. And I, I just, in a modern age, I, I couldn't get my head around it. It's, it's a, Cyprus is very much a golf, it's, it's very much a, a visitor's golf course, even though they have a membership and that sort of stuff, and I get it. But but being where it is in a holiday destination, the Hunter Valley, big wine region, it's it's all about getting visitors there as well as their membership, and, and we weren't allowed. So they were saying to us, no matter who you are or what you're here for, we'll take your 100 bucks, which I think it was. Yeah, yeah, 100 bucks. We'll take your 100 bucks. 
but you can go and play from down there. I didn't want to play from down there. I love testing myself and challenging myself, and I know the holes at Cyprus. I know what they're like from the back tees, and they are ripper, absolute ripper golf holes in my opinion. There's one that's nearly, I think it's 580 metres or something, the par five. It is just a roller coaster and a half. And it's got, honestly, it's got a nearly 240 metre, 250 metre carry um, just to get to the top of this hill. Otherwise, you roll backwards and people say it's a silly design and all that sort of stuff. And that's okay. Each to their own. But beside the point, that gave me the shits when I arrived. I paid my cash and it wasn't $2. It was $100. And we were told that we weren't allowed to play from the back tees. And I think that's totally wrong. I think it's backwards. Get over yourselves and let people enjoy themselves on your golf course. Because I know what, you know what, we won't go back in a hurry. So our group discussed while we're out there and said, look, you know, this isn't, this isn't our version of enjoyment. Tallwoods was our version of enjoyment. This isn't. This here, what they're telling us we can only do at Cyprus is not fun. So yeah, sure, i got some good photos of Cyprus. You've seen them on Instagram. I love the place. I still love the place. I'm not in a hurry to go back because unless I can challenge myself and and, and play the where from where I want to. Now, a lot of people are going to say to me, well, it's their golf course, not yours. So you have to respect where they want you to play. And I get that argument. The only downside is you piss off too many people. And people won't come back. It's all about getting more money into the coffers, more money through the till, more people playing golf, more visitors playing golf. I want golf courses to get more people through the turnstiles. I really do. And I want more people to enjoy them. But if you're going to keep putting restrictions on the way we can have fun, don't get me wrong, there's lunatics out there. There's people who are going to have fun by trying to drive golf carts into dams, okay? There are professional idiots. I'm talking about golfers that want to enjoy themselves like i said i go back to what i wanted to try and bring into katoomba and i'm speaking of myself and my experiences here i wanted to allow people to enjoy themselves in the way that they wanted to what they were comfortable with in the game of golf i didn't want to force people who couldn't carry a 150 meter carry of water to try and hit over there i wanted people to play oh and it and likewise if you if you wanted to try and play a 200 meter carry play a 200 meter carry it's up to you i just wanted people to sit there and say you know what i want to play from back here i want to play from right down there just do it just let people enjoy themselves who gives a shit where they hit off from honestly and as far as superintendent i said to the person that i had this discussion with um about team markers when they said to me oh look you know we had a verbal with with a superintendent on this golf course about where we're hitting off they had the shits that we're hitting from here and here and here and uh, told us under no uncertain under no uncertain terms that we should only be playing for the front now i said to this person i said look i bet you that i could profile your superintendent that you're talking about i don't know them don't know the course never played there i said i bet you i can profile your superintendent and i got it in one you know why because unfortunately, it's a very old mentality. Unfortunately, I stereotyped and I got it right. There's a reason <laughs> the term stereotype exists. I stereotyped them and I got it right. It's an old mentality. 
It was an older superintendent. I've got no doubt it was a lazy superintendent. I've got no doubt it was someone who just wasn't enjoying their job anymore. All these things come into it. They might have been having a bad day. They might have been having a bad year. They might have been having a shit time. They might have been getting their ass kicked from the board. Who knows? But more often than not, it's a directive from the top down and people don't, people aren't looking to change. They aren't looking to improve. They aren't looking to allow people to enjoy the game in a different way. That's why all these people, these Eric Anders Langs are out there. That's why all these, you know, you're getting these social media people, influencers, players, different content creators. They're having a field day out there doing different things differently. The Random Golf Club, for example. Look, you know, um, the Rollback Alliance down in Melbourne. People doing things differently. Now, it doesn't always, sometimes it will already, a square peg will fit into a square hole. But sometimes the round one won't. And I just think that it's not a big deal. It's not a difficult exercise. It's not going to increase the workload to allow people to hit off wherever they want to hit off on the tees. And if that's the back of the tees, it's the back of the tees. If it's the middle of the tees, then it's the middle of the tees. Just let them hit wherever they want to and just go out there and enjoy yourselves. At the end of the day, all I'm asking and all I'm suggesting is that clubs allow people to enjoy themselves out there playing golf and that people enjoy themselves out there playing golf. But at the same time, be respectful. And I'm sure that when we do it both ways, we'll all get the best out of it. Clubs will get more money and more people. And those clubs that are a little bit more open to this sort of stuff will get more people. Like I said, I'll say it now. Tallwoods was fantastic and Cypress wasn't. And I am a big fan of Cypress. So it pains me to say it, but it's true. So there you go. Team market positions. They're a crock of shit when golfers get told where they should play by golf clubs. Other than that, just go out there and enjoy golf, guys. That's what I reckon. And that's what I'm going to try and do no matter where I go. But I will do it respectfully. And that's all I say. Be respectful, everyone. But enjoy your golf is the number one goal. And guys, number seven is now over. I just wanted to thank everyone again for listening, taking the time to listen. I hope that when I get to number eight, might have a new, a, a different guest, might have a new guest, might have an old guest, but we'll be talking about new and different things. Come along and enjoy me. I'm going to try and get back to being regular every couple of weeks for you, give you some new things, some more news that's coming out of the, of the Australian golf courses, things to keep you excited about and also some new information. And um, we'll keep giving you something that hopefully you'll enjoy listening to. And at the end of the day, something to walk away and enjoy golf more with. Now, I might also just quickly add in that if you're a superintendent of a golf course, you're a greenkeeper that works on a golf course, you're attached to a club at a management level, I'm asking you out there to get in touch with me, to get in touch with me about things that are happening on your golf course, to improve your course, to build up your name, things that, that are, it's all about the improvement side of things. I want to get people excited about your golf course and what you're up to and in a way that uh, it's, it's moving forward because too often people tell us about what's going wrong, how courses are going backwards, all that sort of stuff. We're doing away with all that sort of shit and I want to get people excited about it. So if, particularly if you're a superintendent, but if I don't know you, if I haven't spoken to you, if I don't know your golf course, get in touch with me on Instagram, Facebook, 
or uh, send me, shoot me an email or something. Uh, I think I've got my details there on the podcast as well. Just to get in touch with me, I'll get back to you because I want to try and voice what's happening at your golf course. That's the end of episode number seven. Thank you so much for joining me. Please share the podcast. Do what you can. I really appreciate everything you do. Get your friends to listen. Get your neighbors to listen. Get your family to listen. Get anyone in the world to listen. I don't care who they are. And I'm possibly a little bit of a believer in Martians and other alien life forms. So if you want to get them to listen to, that would be fantastic. Although I'm not sure if I broadcast that far afield like Elon Musk probably does or Elon Musk or however you pronounce his bloody name. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Talk to me on Instagram. Talk to me on Facebook. Happy to uh, to discuss bits and pieces with you. Thoroughly enjoy it. And I look forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks. Enjoy your golf, guys.